right, well, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 19. Those words didn't come out as big as I thought they would. So we're going to be starting this series. It's going to take us about four weeks to complete. And we're going to be in Exodus chapters 19 and 20. And our series is based on the Ten Commandments. And so we finished our narrative lectionary um, study for the year. Um, they usually just run from September to May. And so we'll pick back up in September with their reading plan. Uh, the way the lectionary works is that it gives you readings to take a church through the entire Bible in a four-year time period, um, going from September to May every year. And so we're going to start over. They're starting over at year one again this coming September. So we'll start at Genesis in September, and then um, we'll be going through the different portions throughout that season, or those couple of seasons, and so from September to May. But this summer, um, we're going to take about 12 weeks to talk about some different things, just different varying things throughout the summer. In the first four weeks, we'll talk about the Ten Commandments. And so I'm looking forward to this. I think there are probably going to be some really good practical points in these in these chapters that we're going to be reading. Um, when we think about the Ten Commandments, I think about when I was growing up having to memorize them, having to, to talk about them in Sunday school all the time, and also my mom always reminding us that we needed to follow the, the rules if we wanted to be good little boys and girls. And so um, we're going to see that the Ten Commandments are more than just a set of rules for God's people to follow, but it's really an expectation about a way of life that God's people should have. But it's not just about being a good person or being more spiritual or being more holy. The, the whole point to the Ten Commandments is not follow these rules so you can be good and do a good job and be a good um, child of God. But here are the expectations for how you should live in response to the relationship that you have with God um, that he initiated with you. So we're going to read, first of all, in Exodus chapter 19 and verses 1 through 10 this morning. And the title of today's message is, Relationship before rules. And you'll understand what that means here in a few moments. Exodus 19, verse 1, it says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for loving us, Lord, and giving us this gift of salvation and this uh, ability and freedom to be here in your presence, to worship you and learn from you. I pray that you would help us to be fed today, Lord. Let us feed on the word of God and receive encouragement and a challenge to just know more about you and what you want for our daily living, Lord. I pray for this journey through the Ten Commandments over the next four weeks, that you would teach us something valuable, Lord, that we would uh, come away not just knowing the rules of the Ten Commandments, but understanding how you want us to live and why you want us to live that way. So Holy Spirit, please give us wisdom and understanding this morning through this scripture. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today's message is really so simple that I'm honestly afraid of overstating it. Like I'm afraid that if I talk too much, I'm going to just kill it and then you're going to just lose it. Because I feel like I could talk to you for like two minutes and give you the basic gist of it and that's good enough. Because like usually every week when I'm studying for a sermon, I try to read my scripture like on Monday or Tuesday and then spend the week with that scripture, letting it kind of um, shape me and impact me so that I'm ready to preach it. But as I read this and I kind of decided this is what I was going to preach on, then I ask myself all the time, what's the main message in this passage? What, is, what do I need to get from this and what do I need to share with everyone else? And what kept coming to my mind was something very, very basic and simple. And so simple, in fact, that I kept asking God, are you sure there isn't more to that? Like, this really is it? And here's what the message is. Relationship with God has to come before following the rules that God sets forth. Because if you just try to follow the rules and you don't have a relationship with God, you're missing the point. You can't just follow the rules and expect God to bless you and expect to have a good life and expect to be a good person and that's good enough. What has to come first is that you have a relationship with God where he loves you and you love him. And then in that relationship, because of that relationship, you are compelled to follow him and obey him and follow his commands. And those two things have to be at play at the same time. And that's the sermon. And that's it. And we could just pack up and go home right there. But that's not allowed, I hear. So I have to talk for the next 15 or 20 minutes. But seriously, it's that simple. And I, I thought about it all week long because I thought, how does this need to be more practical for my life? Like, what are the things that I need to look at in this text that can really govern and change the way that I live day to day? And what kept coming to my mind, the way, the way the Holy Spirit kept bringing this to my heart was this. If you really are one of my children, if you, because you are one of my people and I love you and you love me and we have this covenant relationship, then here's the deal. There are things that I want you to do. There are ways that I want you to live. And I want you to be obedient. See, a lot of times in Christianity, um, obedience and expectations and requirements, those are taboo. People don't talk about those a whole lot. It's all about being loved and being accepted. And it's all about love and grace and, and God just giving you his favor and accepting you into his family. And then people leave off the obedience part. But both of them are equally important. It's important for us to have that relationship with God, but it's also important for us to understand that God has expectations for how we're supposed to live. And God wants us to obey him. In fact, Jesus says in the gospel, he told his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. Like, I don't know how much more clear he can be. If you love me and you have a relationship with me, then I want to see obedience in your life. That's the fruit that I want to be producing in you. I want you to be obedient people. 
Because the Bible is full of commands and full of instructions for how we are to live our lives, not just so we can be better people, not just so we can receive a blessing from God. We don't follow rules so that God is happy with us and he's not mad at us. It's not the way it works. We say God has called us to be a different kind of people and to live a different kind of way apart from the way the rest of the world and society lives. And it's good for us and it's good for the world and it brings glory to God. And that's why I want to be obedient to the Lord. And so it really is that simple. I think that when we think of rules, um, we think of expectations and requirements, right? That's a pretty common understanding of what rules are. And a lot of times when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think of them in terms of ten rules that you should live by, things that you should do and do not, right? You shall do and you shall not do. There's a lot of thou shalt nots in the Bible. And, and so what do those exist for? So we're going to talk about that over the next four weeks. Why do we have those thou shalt nots? Why does God say, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal? Why does he say that you should not have any other gods before him, or you shouldn't take his name in vain? Or why does he say that you should observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Why does he say all these things? Why does he give the people of Israel, and then ultimately us, all these guidelines and expectations and instructions? Is it, is it really to make us good people? Or is there something else at play there? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. We all have different attitudes, I think, in our society, maybe even in this room. We have different attitudes about rules, right? When I was a kid, I was terribly afraid of breaking rules. Like, my mom may be small, but she was pretty scary when I was growing up. And I never wanted to test her. I heard stories, okay, about how hard she could hit. And I think I experienced that maybe once or twice, and I didn't want to experience that anymore. And so I was a rule-following child when I was a kid. Um, whenever we would be out in public, you know, when I, this, this may surprise you a little bit, um, but when I was a kid, I was kind of a, a goofball, like not in a cool, funny kind of way, but kind of like in a dorky, nerdy, annoying kind of way, you know, like I was the kid running around Kmart, like a, just a screaming Indian running around making noises, you know, Kmart, right? We used to go to Kmart and hide under the clothing, the clothes racks and have my mom tell me, get out of there. You're going to knock everything down. That's just what I tell Jude all the time now when we're at Walmart. And so sometimes I would kind of, we would be loud and crazy at home and we'd bounce on the furniture and we'd play and we'd run around the yard and scream and make noises. And, but we mostly knew for the most part how to behave in public. Like my, parent, my parents, my mom trained us how to behave in public and we didn't want to break rules, right? But there were occasional times when we would get a little wild and crazy, my sister and I or my cousins and I and my mom or sometimes my aunt if she were with us, they'd pull us aside and they'd say, what is wrong with you? Don't you have any, this is what they would say, don't you have any home training? And it's like we were puppies. We forgot to, you know, how to use it on the puppy pad or something. But they'd say, don't you have any home training? And what that meant was, didn't we teach you how to behave in a public place? Like, we trained you at home to follow a certain set of rules so that when you're out there in the real world, you know how to behave and you're not acting like a crazy person, right? And that's what that phrase always meant to us when we were, when we were growing up, that the way we behaved in public reflected how we were taught by our parents, how we were taught at home, right? The rules. There was a certain set of rules that were unwritten, but that we always knew were there. And we had to follow those rules in order to be good people, in order to be good children, right? 
that's the way that the world works today. There are rules all around us, right? We have rules on the road. You can't cut people off. You're not supposed to drive too long in the passing lane or else someone who's in the right lane might cut you off and send you driving into the median or something, you know? Um, you're not supposed to go too fast unless you live in Texas and you can go 80 or 85 miles an hour and it's not a big deal. You're not supposed to do a lot of things in society. That's why we have laws, right? And we all have different attitudes about those rules. Some people like rules. I like rules because I like structure and I like discipline and I like safety and security. There are some people who can't stand rules and think that it's their job to break every single one of them and get away with it. Right? There are some people who like the idea of rules but just can't bring themselves to follow them all the time. And maybe some of you are like that. So how does God want us to see the instructions that he sets forth for us in scripture. That's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Whatever our relationship with rules is, the point is this. They do exist in our lives. And God made his own set of them thousands of years ago. And he gave them to his people for them to live by. And this is just going to be ten of them. Right? In the Old Testament, God made this covenant with the people of Israel. I'll give you one guess. How many total laws did God give to them through the scriptures? When you think about Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, somebody give me a guess. How many total laws did God give to the people of Israel for them to live by? How many? Okay. Ten commandments, as was the start. But there were a total of, get this, 636 different laws concerning the people of Israel and how they were supposed to live. Right? And these were all kinds of random things. You can look through the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and see that he had laws about everything that you can possibly imagine. Things that they were supposed to not eat, not touch, not do on certain days and certain people and just all kinds of different things for how they were supposed to live. 636 of them. And in Exodus chapter 20, we see the first 10. Okay? So, we're in chapter 19. And let me kind of just give you the backdrop for what's going on here in this passage. In verse 1, it says that it's the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt. We know this story. They were in Egypt for like 400 years as slaves to the Egyptians. And after all these years, God had mercy and compassion on them and raised up a servant named Moses who would deliver them from captivity. And we know how Moses went to Pharaoh. And said, let my people go, let my people go, let them go. And Pharaoh kept saying no. And so what did God have to do? He sent plagues upon the Egyptians ten different times. Ten different tactics to show them who really was the boss and who was in charge. And finally after the tenth plague, Pharaoh said, fine, take your people and all your stuff and get out of here. And so the people of Israel gather up all their belongings and a million people start leaving the country of Egypt to go towards the Red Sea, cross over the sea, and go on their way to have their own life. But as they're leaving, Pharaoh changes his mind. He changes his mind because he realizes the economical impact that's going to have on his country. And who's going to do all the work? Who's going to build the pyramids? Who's going to take care of our fields, right? And so he gathers up all of his army and all of his chariots and all of his horses, and he starts chasing after them. And now they're stuck because they're facing this massive body of water called the Red Sea in front of them. And then behind them is a million people from Egypt running after them to try to take them captive again. And God performs a miracle. He tells Moses to put his staff there and he says he, he parts the waters of the Red Sea and they're able to walk across on dry land. And they're free. 
Now here we are in chapter 19. It's 47 days, scholars say, 47 days later, after they've crossed over the Red Sea and all the Egyptians have been wiped away and now these people are free. They've been walking through the wilderness for 47 days. And now here they come and they're at this place called Sinai where there's a, a large mountain there. And they get to the base of the mountain. And it's at this time when the people of Israel set up their camp they're at the base of Mount Sinai, and Moses walks up to the top of the mountain to go and talk with God. To us, that seems like a pretty amazing, interesting event, right? But for Moses, it was pretty common. It was typical and common for Moses to go into a private place and talk face-to-face -face with God. He had that privilege, that honor, that gift from the Lord. And so Moses goes on up. And he starts talking to God to receive some more instructions for what God wanted them to do next. These are his people. He's leading them to a promised land, a land that he's promised to, to give to them a long time ago. And so Moses wants to know, here we are, God. What do you want us to do now? So the interesting thing and the, the part that I really want to focus on today is what God says to Moses when he gets up there. So look again at verse 4. He says, you have seen... What I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. So he says, listen, Moses, I want you to remind the people what I did for them in delivering them from the Egyptians. He said, remind them of our covenant, how I'm their God and they're my people and I have rescued them and I've, I've bore them on eagles' wings and, in, eagles' wings and given them freedom and liberty and this new life and I, I love them and I care about them. In these first few moments, before giving Moses any instructions for the people of Israel, God simply takes a moment to reflect on the relationship that he has with them. He talks about the covenant there in verse 5. He says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. He says, If you obey me, if you keep my covenant, he says, You are the most important people in the world to me. God is taking a moment to remind them of this agreement that they had with him that involved him loving them and them obeying him. He says there in verse 5, if they will obey me and keep my covenant, they're going to be my treasured people forever. And so whatever commands or instructions God is going to give Moses there at the top of that mountain, which we'll see in chapter 20, whatever, whatever commands he's about to give them, he wants them to obey those commands in consideration of the covenant relationship that they have with him. He says the relationship is the most important part. He reminds them of how much he loves them and what he has done for them. And that's what, what, what God tells us too. He says, listen, I want you to obey me. I have commands in Scripture. This is a way that I want you to live. I have expectations for you. There's a, a way of life that I want you to adopt. But it's not just about following a set of rules to please me. He says, what's most important is that I love you. And look at what I've done for you. I've delivered you from your sin. I've delivered you from death. I've given you new life. I've given you freedom and liberty. We have this covenant relationship now because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, he says. And now because of this relationship, here's how I want you to live. You don't live by a set of rules to get God's approval. He says you live by God's rules because you have his approval. 
because he loves you. We know that in chapter 20, he's going to give Moses the Ten Commandments, the first of all these laws that he gives to his people. He's going to give him this set of rules and instructions that they're supposed to that, that are supposed to really govern how they live as his people in their world and society. But before he even gets to the point of listing those commandments, what does God want to talk about first? The relationship. The relationship that he has with his covenant people. You see, here's the main point. God does not ask for obedience apart from the relationship. God doesn't ask for our obedience apart from our relationship with Him. He doesn't expect obedience to a set of rules simply because He said so. He doesn't say, I'm God and you aren't, and so here are my rules, follow my rules or else. That's not what God says. He says, listen, I have a covenant with you. You're in a relationship with me. I, I love you. And now, because of that love that we have, here is how I want you to live. I want you to obey me. I want you to follow my commandments. Let that be your response to the covenant that you have with me. And so here is something really important that we need to understand. Does the Ten Commandments still apply to us today? Yes. Are they laws and rules that God wants us to live by in order to appease Him? No. What are they? They are responses. A way of life that serve as a response to what God has done for us. That we want to obey Him in these ways because He loves us. See, the Bible is full of instructions. The pages of Scripture are full of things that God wants for His people. But the Bible is not primarily a book of rules. I want you to get that. The Bible is not primarily a book of rules. It does offer a lot of commands and instructions for right living, and, and yes, God does expect obedience, but the Bible is not simply a rule book, because if it were, all a person would have to do is look at the rules and try to live by them, and then they get to heaven. That's not how it works. If that's how it worked, why would we have ever needed Jesus? If it were that easy, if God said, the way for you to get to heaven is to follow my rule book, we would have never needed Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. If it were just as simple as following a set of rules in order to make God happy, then Jesus would have never had to come and be born. He never would have had to come and die. Because the Bible is not primarily a set of rules. It's primarily a story. It's a story about a God who wants a relationship with the people that he created. It's a story about a God who seeks out those people and does the work of initiating that relationship with them and then secures it with a covenant that cannot be broken no matter what. No matter what we do wrong, no matter how much we disobey, no matter how much we fail at keeping these commands, the covenant that we have with God can never be broken. And then once that person has that relationship with God, then he calls that person to obey his commands. He says, I love you, and if you love me, then you are going to obey my commands. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I think it's pretty clear, isn't it? It's hard to argue with that simple statement. If we love Jesus, we're going to keep his commandments. But notice that even in John 14, Jesus doesn't say, if you want me to love you, then keep my commandments. He says, if you love me, 
you're going to obey me. Not if you want me to love you. Because the assumption there is that he already loves you. He already loves you whether you obey or not. If you are a born-again believer in Christ and you've been bought with the blood of Jesus, he loves you. And you have his approval. And you are a treasured child of God. And nothing is ever going to change that. You know, one thing that we, we always seem to know about the scriptures or about the Ten Commandments, we may not always remember all of them, all ten of them. In fact, I don't know that I, even on my best day, can quote all ten of them in the right order to you. But one thing that Jesus teaches and that a lot of people understand about the New Testament is that Jesus says, and, and Paul says, if you are guilty of violating one of them, then you're guilty of violating all of them. Right? It's not about following a, a checklist and saying, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, and didn't do that today. I didn't kill anybody today, I didn't commit adultery today, I didn't covet anyone today. You know, I didn't steal anything today. Like, I must be doing pretty good. It's about saying, you know what, this is a way that God has called me to live, and I'm going to strive to be committed to this. It's not about saying I have to do it perfectly in order for God to continue to be happy with me. Because there have been at some points in my life and in your life too where you look at those Ten Commandments and you've probably failed. You've probably taken God's name in vain, haven't you? You've probably stolen something, even if it were something small, paperclip, piece of gum. You've probably um, coveted something that someone else had and wished that it were, your, were yours. You've probably had lust in your heart, which Jesus says is the equivalent of committing adultery with someone. You've probably hated someone at some point in your life, and Jesus says that's the same thing as murdering them. We have all been guilty of violating probably all of these, or if not at least half of them. Does that mean that we have failed miserably and God's mad at us? No. But it means that we need to be committed to living the way that God wants us to live out of obedience to him. And we're going to just strive in the power of the Holy Spirit to uphold these commands. In doing that, we bring more glory to God. And that's the purpose of our relationship with him. And so to this week, here's what I want you to do. Here's your challenge as I close this morning. I want you to go ahead this at some point this week before Sunday and read chapter 20. And I want you to read all of those Ten Commandments. Maybe write them down on a note card or on a piece of paper or on your mirror in the bathroom. And I really want you to become familiar with them. I want you to maybe even memorize them. I want you to learn them. I want you to be able to talk about them and share them with other people. Don't see them as a set of rules that you have to follow and put them on a checklist for this week. But see them as a response that God is calling you to have to the relationship that he has with you. What people in the world need to understand, and, and we can help them understand, is that it's not about following a set of rules in order to gain something from God. If all we're doing is trying to keep a set of rules, we're missing it. The rules don't matter at all if we don't first have that relationship with the Lord. And so this week, while you study these Ten Commandments, while you try to learn them, here's what else I want you to do. I want you to focus hard on your relationship with God and make sure that is right first. Let God work in your heart. Let God work in your life. Let God mold you and shape you and grow you this week. And just, just love God. Just rest in that love that you have with God. And let that govern every single step of your life this week. Amen? Let's stand. And we're going to sing a closing song. It's Have Thine Own Way.
which is on page 306 in our hymn book. So as you sing, let this be your prayer to God in response to the word of God this morning. Have thine own way in your life.